from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the CER Podcast. My name is Sofia Besch. I'm a research fellow here at the Center for European Reform. And today I'm in conversation with Luigi Scazzieri, who's also a research fellow here. Luigi is here to talk to us about Italy and the new government there. And we do know that this is a kind of new cycle that has developed very quickly over the last few days. So a little disclaimer is that we're recording this on Monday the 4th and it'll go out on Wednesday. But luckily what we are here to do today is to go a bit deeper deeper into the analysis. So hopefully the new cycle of the next 48 hours isn't going to make this interview irrelevant. Right, Luigi, let's jump right in. Can you describe to us what the new government actually looks like? Where are we now? Sure. So um, first of all, it, they have already sworn in the new government and it will um, present itself to Parliament in order to obtain a vote of confidence in these coming days. So it looks like a done deal, but we shouldn't see any more surprises. The new government is a coalition between the Five Star and the League, with an interesting mix of technocrats thrown in. So most of the ministers are from either party, but uh, there, there are also uh, professors of economics. And uh, the foreign minister used to be a minister in Mario Monti's government. So a bit of a strange, interesting presence. Okay, just very quickly, the five stars, who, the league is who? So uh, the, the league used to be called the Northern League, this uh, Northern uh, Italian Independentist Party, which over the past few years has essentially morphed into a typical right-wing populist party. The five star is a bit of a stranger beast. It's born as a essentially an anti-establishment party rather than anti-EU one. It has taken on some elements of anti-Europeanism, but it also remains pro-European in many ways. So it's really very hard to define. And indeed, we might get into this in, in a bit. Its direction and future trajectory is very much open for, for others to influence, actually. But it sits more on the left than the right? Would you say that that's Tough correct? to define. So if you look at their voting record in the European Parliament, they tend to vote with the left. On the other hand, on, on many issues, they, they have found agreement with the League. So, for instance, on topics such as migration and the economic program involves a lot of stimulus. There's not so much difference on many, many issue areas. Okay, so these are the players. Indeed. So the first thing that's important to say is that this government is a critical of, of the euro and of the European Union, of the way it is being run. They think it doesn't quite work for Italy. This doesn't mean that it is uh, uh, europhobic. Often people, I think, make uh, the assumption that every Eurosceptic party is europhobic. I don't think this is necessarily the case. And in particular, the Five Star, as we were saying, is not europhobic party. And where would you make the distinction there? Europhobia would mean that they would want to leave the European Union? Exactly. So I, I would put UKIP in, in the europhobic side of things and maybe a party like the... Uh, the Northern League, or even the CSU in Germany, perhaps in many ways, the French Republicans in the more... Eurosceptical, yeah. but willing to reform. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So the primary aim being reform of the European Union. And of course, it's important to remember, yeah, the five staff uh, tried to join the Alder Group in a bizarre maneuver last year. And the coalition contract between the two actually uh, says that they want to give more powers to the European Parliament. So right. it, it, this is a government which will challenge the commission, it will challenge and try to change the way the EU is being run, but it is not one which will seek to leave the European Union and it won't immediately try to leave the euro either. Now this, we might discuss this in a bit, might happen by accident, but it wouldn't happen by design, I think. Right, okay, so when you say they want to challenge the commission, what do you think are they really likely to do in the coming months? Absolutely, so they, they will have uh, two priorities, one being... Uh, the economy, essentially trying to achieve more fiscal leeway to implement some of their electoral promises. Now, there's basically two scenarios here. In one of them, they would 
push the deficit from where it currently is around 1.9% of GDP to just below 3% to implement some of their promises. Their promises being? Um, so th- there's a, a series of tax cuts and increases in benefits, but, but they have uh, become uh, slightly more uh, restrained in some respects. So, for example, the promise of a universal basic income is actually uh, enhanced unemployment benefit, which is given under quite strict conditions over the course of, of two years. So not that universal. Uh, exactly. It's more of an income support than a universal basic income. Um, so that's the first scenario. Exactly, uh, which would, uh, of course, create a degree of confrontation with the Commission, perhaps allow them to score an easy victory. Uh, and I think this remains the likely scenario. Now, the second one is where they actually try to push through uh, more forcefully with uh, their program. This would push the deficit to something like 5% and would lead to a, a rather different economic uh, set of circumstances in the sense that the bond markets would panic, Italy having such a large uh, public debt, the interest uh, costs on financing the debt would rise, the ECB might even have to stop it buying Italian bonds, and uh, as a result, uh, the likeliest option is that Italy would blink and step back from the brink, given uh, it's important to remember about 75% of Italians in recent polls say they would vote to stay in the euro, the Eurobarometer polls as well indicate that there's only about 30% who actually want to leave. So at this stage, if in case uh, of, of this scenario with rising interest costs, possibly ballooning um, cost of financing the deficit, bank runs, banks almost failing, then I think lots of MPs would be likely to defect and the government, which relies on a majority of six in Italy's upper house, is likely to go under. But we cannot exclude that they would not blink. More unlikely, but not completely impossible. Right. So taking a step back and looking at the issues that will be important from the viewpoint of other European countries, let's talk about Eurozone reform and let's talk about migration. First of all, what do you think the two scenarios that you've just outlined might mean for the prospect of Eurozone reform? So, I mean, obviously the second scenario it would uh, overshadow the importance of Eurozone reform in many ways. The first one makes it more difficult. Now, I think what's very um, important to remember is the article that Merkel uh, wrote over the, the weekend in the Frankfurt Allgemeine Zeitung, uh, which I think indicate the limits of what Eurozone reform will be. So essentially um, beefed up European stability mechanism and uh, a small Eurozone budget, anything beyond that. Is, is very, very difficult to imagine at this stage because uh, partly of the Italian government, partly because of uh, what, what Germany uh, is willing to implement. I think this is all that we will see. And on migration, uh, the new government has taken what is a, a very tough line. Of course, migration is one of the key issues for the League and their leader, Matteo Salvini, is now interior minister. So he says he wants to step up the repatriations of immigrants whose uh, asylum applications have been rejected. Now, this has been something which uh, every government has tried to achieve. It's not very easy, which is, um, and of course, it, they, they have to operate within the margins of the existing uh, legal framework, Italian and European. So I'm rather skeptical that he will actually manage to deport hundreds of thousands, as he has uh, claimed, also, because the main difficulty is that countries of origin don't usually want to take these people back. But this is something that the League and the Five Star agree on. They do, they do. So one of the reasons why I'm more skeptical that the policy can be pushed to such a, a degree, though, is the fact that parts of the Five Star are more skeptical about it. 
So uh, I'm sure Italy will, will take a much, uh, in terms of rhetoric, a much tougher stance towards migration. I'm more skeptical as to what will change in practice. So, for instance, Salvini wants to open repatriation centers in every region. It's possible that they might make uh, a degree of, of difference, but also not too likely. And on Dublin reform, they will reject the draft that's currently on the table because it's seen as not really uh, progressing towards any kind of burden sharing. And at the European level, they're likely to push for more help in striking these readmission take-back agreements. That's not new countries. either, right? That's not new either, yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to another existential question when it comes to this government, which is its relationship with Russia. How do you look at this issue? Again, it's one where it's uh, it's worth making a slight distinction. So whereas the League uh, is rather close, very close, one could say, to Russia, and indeed having a cooperation agreement with the United Russia Party, the Five Star is slightly less uh, so. The coalition contract doesn't include a promise to remove sanctions. It says sanctions should be removed. It, it, the language is passive, so they're not committing themselves to anything. I think, uh, to be honest, this is one of the points where, uh, which, which can be a source of leverage. So, of course, going to Brussels and saying, well, look, we have the power to block sanctions unless you give us a bit more leeway economically uh, could, be, could be quite a tempting tool for the government to use. So I'm, I'm quite skeptical that they will veto sanctions. What they will do, I think, is use it as leverage and uh, strike high-profile business deals with Russia in a way that's not too dissimilar in, in, their, in their eyes from what, say, Germany has been doing with mm. Nord Stream 2. Right. And to close this, I'm going to ask you the question that everything Tinker loves, which is what do you think will happen? How worried are you about this situation? And how worried should we be as non-Italy experts? The coming months, I think, will be important in just seeing what, what the government does. As I said, I think a scenario of mild confrontation, pushing the deficit up, uh, just taking on a more confrontational stance in every policy field is much more likely than one of all-out war. As I said at the beginning, the Five Star is not anti-European per se. There will be internal tensions within the, the coalition. I'm more worried about the medium to, to longer-term prospects in the sense that Italians are becoming more and more disillusioned with the European Union and how it works for them. And the coming years will just be very important in defining in which way this relationship goes. Does it, do they turn back and become more pro-European or do they actually continue to drift further in a, in a Eurosceptic direction? Now, this depends on whether there are more economic shocks, so things that aren't really completely within our control. It's possible that we will still see some kind of Eurozone reform. I outlined the limits of it before. And it will be possible to work with Rome on other issues such as migration as well. So it will, Italy will become a slightly, slightly disruptive player on the European scene, but not a full-on spoiler. That would be my best bet. Luigi Scazzieri, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I'm sure we will be checking in with you again on the topic of Italy very soon. Thank you, Sofia. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the CIA podcast and thanks to Beth Oppenheim, our editor. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and follow us on Twitter, CIA underscore EU.